Ben and Matt, uh, thanks so much for being on the uh, on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm super pumped to talk to you guys about everything that you guys are doing. Uh, Matt, like I said before this, congrats on on getting married, which is Thank really you. a huge milestone in Ooh. life for for anyone doing it. Exactly. Uh, and then uh, Ben, yeah, thanks for reaching out to uh, you know even just say cool cool episode. So um, that's why I was like, hey, if you want to be on, let's do this. I know you guys have a lot of uh, history in the e-commerce world, and you know I run an agency and we deal with a lot of probably the same or similar things and things. So I'll let you guys uh, kind of introduce yourselves one by one and let us know what you guys do and uh, we'll take it from there. Awesome. Well, Z, thank you so much for having us. Uh, what an honor to be to be on the podcast. And I'm, I'm so sorry that my beard is no, not even anywhere competitive with your beard. So uh, you'll, get there. Just, you'll get there. I just won't do anything to it. And we'll have to do episodes every six months. And we'll just see how long it takes to catch up. So I'm all okay. about it. We'll make a beard series. <laughs> we'll, make, we'll make a beard series. We'll go get band holds on there and everything. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I'm Matt Schlicht. I'm CEO and one of the three co-founders at Octane AI. Uh, I grew up in Southern California, uh, you know, went to high school down there, got kicked out of high school for hacking the computers, <laughs> tricked my way back into high school. And then I graduated in 2006. And this was like, MySpace was still around. Facebook was starting to boom. YouTube was like, just starting to become a thing. Uh, and like everybody worshiped Google. And I like found out like, oh, Google has like so many employees. This is insane. I hadn't, uh, growing up, I actually didn't have access to the internet or computer until I was like 12 uh, because of like a weird school I went to. And so I was just like, I couldn't get enough of the internet. It was just like crazy to me. And so in instead of going to college, I was like, I need to jump on this right now. Uh, screw college. I need to just, you know, start working in startups in some capacity, move to Silicon Valley at 19, joined a company called Ustream, which at the time was doing uh, live video, uh, almost like a YouTube for live video. Now everybody has that. And at the time, nobody had live video. Uh, we had Obama during his campaign. We had Snoop Dogg smoked weed live on video, which was like at the time, like absolute yeah. <laughs> insanity. Cause you were like, is he really doing that? Right. Um, and then, uh, I led product there. And so at a tech company, that means that I was responsible for the future of how the product worked, how the design worked, how the features work, how do we make it go more viral? We ended up raising a hundred million dollars and then it was acquired by IBM for a considerable amount of money. Um, after that, I managed Little Wayne's Digital for a couple of years with a buddy of mine. We got a Guinness World Records, beat Oreos out for that one. I've worked with probably almost every major rapper that you could think of is like a weird little side note. Um, I took a company through Y Combinator, which is like a very well-known kind of startup incubator yep. where uh, they backed like Dropbox and Airbnb and Coinbase. Uh, learned a lot there. And then in 2015, um, got super, super interested in uh, messaging apps. And specifically, you know, I'd visited uh, now my wife, but at the time my girlfriend, I went to China in 2015 with her and her family. Uh, they're, they're from China. And I saw how WeChat was being used and a predominant way for businesses to communicate with customers. You get a cab, you get, you order, you look at a recipe, they follow up with you with offers. Like everything was done through this messaging app. And in the United States, nothing like that was happening. And so in 2016, Facebook announced that you could build uh, chatbots basically on top of Facebook Messenger. And I just thought that it made so much sense that the same way that businesses had been leveraging automation on email, that they would need to do the same thing with automated conversations. And we started with Facebook Messenger. Over the years, we moved to SMS. We raised money uh, from the same investors that backed you know, uh, Snapchat and uh, a bunch of other really big brands. 
Um, and then now we've kind of moved out of just messaging on conversational apps to actually powering messaging on a bunch of thousands of Shopify stores. Uh, and our primary focus in the world is to be the technology stack that humanizes the online shopping experience and enables you to provide a personalized experience to the customer. Uh, and then carry that on through all your marketing channels. And there's so much we can go into that. Uh, but I will let Ben um, give his intro, and, and that's mine. I love it. What are you, Ben? And I've known Ben for like over 10 years. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into that because with three co-founders, I'm really curious how you come to that same, uh, same uh, a, a ball of love for some, some crazy technology like that at the time. So that's really awesome. Oh, uh, we can go. We can go deep into that one. So, <laughs> hello, everyone. I'm Ben. I'm the president and co-founder of Octinei. My original claim to fame in Silicon Valley was that I was the co-editor and editor at large of Mashable. So at 23, they're like, "Do you want to run the West Coast of Mashable?" And I'm like, "Sure, I'm totally qualified for that." But I ended up running the West Coast. Ran, wrote 2,446 articles. Had a team of 50. Uh, got to interview everyone from Charles Sandberg to like Mark Zuckerberg to uh, the CEOs and VCs of like every major company, especially like in the early days. And after Mashable, I left. I invested in a bunch of early stage companies, started my own small fund. And from that experience, all these startups asked me for help in press and marketing and customer use acquisition. So I actually wrote a book for HarperCollins called Captivology, which you can find in all bookstores. It's called Captivology, the Science of Capturing People's Attention. It's on the science and psychology of attention, where we pay attention to certain people and products and how to utilize that science to captivate the attention of others. So I went through 300 years of scientific research and attention to memory, interviewed over 100 people, including the world's top PhDs in neurology and psychology, as well as like David Copperfield, the creator of Super Mario, Shigeru Miyamoto, uh, the CEO of LinkedIn, Sheryl Sandberg, all these other people to understand the fundamentals of attention and how you capture it. And then oh. I joined a bunch of boards. I joined the board of Sama Source, now the Lila Jana Foundation, uh, uh, focused on giving work uh, to hundreds of thousands of people across the world, and the advisory board of Lufthansa, and uh, it's fun to always go to Germany. And 2016, Matt, like, you know, tricked me and our other co-founder, Leaf, into working with him to start Octane. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Uh, it's so many things to pick out of like both of those uh, introductions. The the one thing that I wanted to ask you is, uh, how did you guys end up? How did you Matt end up connecting with Ben and talking him into oh, the whole Octane? And did you guys start off as Octane AI, or was that something that was revamped at the time? You guys. Before Matt, before Matt starts, I'm just going to say my idea was great. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay, so. Ben and I met because we were in a private community uh, made by like a top Facebook engineer. And this was back in like 2005 or something. And Ben had posted something in this forum that was an absolute horrible idea. Um, Great. So, so Ben, that's, Ben does not know what he's talking about. And so the, the Ben and I met because uh, I had to explain to him how horrible his idea was. Uh, he wanted to start some sort of like online I was probably like 17 or something. I don't know, Ben, a couple years older than me. Uh, and I, he wanted to start like a blog, like a community blog. And I was like, this is a horrible idea, horrible idea. And so I started a competing one and we competed for a bit. Turns out they were actually both horrible ideas. Um, <laughs> but we, we didn't meet, in, we didn't know each other in person. It was just through this like private community that this like really early Facebook engineer created. 
Um, and then I moved out to Silicon Valley uh, a couple of years later uh, and was still, you know, talking with Ben, had never met in person, but still, you know, still friends. Um, the equivalent of maybe how you would be Twitter friends with someone now, but we didn't have right. Twitter back then. Uh, and then uh, I was moving to a new place. We had an opening for roommate. Uh, ben had been trying to move into Silicon Valley uh, and he had landed a job at Mashable. And so the first time I met Ben was when it was him and his mom uh, basically arriving in Ben's truck um, in, uh, in Mountain View uh, and uh, in the Valley. And yeah, we've been, you know, best friends ever since then. And, you know, we didn't really get a chance to work on anything um, together really uh, for a while, but with, with Octane AI, you know, Ben's like very well known with, within the industry because he does all these speeches. He worked at Mashable. If you wanted to get coverage on Mashable, like Ben was a person to go to. Ben's at all the, you know, all the parties, all the, he knows everybody. Um, and he's known a lot of people before they even start their company. And so you can't just get Ben as a co-founder on your company. Right. You can't just, there's no straightforward way to do it. If you're like, Ben, do you want to be a co-founder? It's just not the right approach. And right. so I took the opposite approach and I said, Ben, I have a genius idea. And Ben is usually, you know, picking up the phone or whatever, listening to me say something like that. And I tell him the idea and he's like, mm, yeah, it's interesting. I was like, yeah, I'm going to raise some money for this. And uh, I don't think it's a good fit for you. I don't think this is something you should work on. And so I just <laughs> told him like, yeah, I know that this is not something you'd want. I know that you know, you're, you're interested in other things. Like this is, I know this isn't the thing. And Ben was like, no. I, I, need, I need to be a part of this. Um, and so that's, I got Ben to join by telling him that uh, it wasn't a good fit with all intentions of trying to get him to join. And then our CTO and third co-founder, um, Leif K. Brooks. So Leif, I've known since, I don't know, maybe 2007, 2008-ish. Um, we also met online. Uh, I was... Uh, working at Ustream at the time, I think Leaf was in college and Leaf popped in, in a chat room on Ustream for like a live video stream. And it was like saying some stuff in the chat. We started talking and a year later, uh, Leaf made a website called Omegle, uh, which I don't know if you're familiar with Omegle, but it is a wildly, wildly popular um, chat app. Like million people use it every day. You can basically oh. talk to strangers. Uh, if you go on something like TikTok and search Omegle, you will find a tremendous, you will find millions and millions of videos with like billions of views of people just like filming themselves using this app. And so he worked on that app. You know, that's the only thing he's done. He's just an expert at chat. And so when we started, we were putting the team together for Octane AI in 2016, I was like, who, like, what, you know, like, I didn't go to college, but when you apply to college, you're right. like, you have a school you want, and then you have like a reach right. school. I was like, okay, like Ben was a reach. So for CTO, we also need to have a reach. Like who's someone that like, I just think they would never do it. They're too crazy for this. Right. And Leaf, by building Omegle, which is in like one of the most popular websites in the world, uh, he's, a, he's like the craziest person you could get to bring onto a conversational app to be the CTO. And so I kind of got on the phone with Leaf and I was like explaining to him like, hey, like this is the opportunity. I think this is really the future. Like there's so many different ways this can go. I got, I got my boy, Ben, who's, who's yeah. going to do it too. Um, and Leaf, to my surprise uh, and to his credit, agreed. And it's just been awesome since then. And we've had a bunch of ups and downs. We've almost died like three times. We had a recent Forbes article come out 
um, where we announced our four and a half million in new funding and also the revealing the secret that we've almost died like three times. So it's been it's been a ride, but uh, things are going very well right now. And I think e-commerce in general, probably, as you know, is just booming. It's crazy. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I can can you tell me quickly the story of how you guys almost died? I didn't get to read the article. Which one do you want? <laughs> <laughs> give me give me the one. Uh, give me the most popular one that that just was the closest call. I tell you both. Okay, go for it. So well, so Ben, I can I can let you take over. But for some context, uh, you know, we when we started the company in 2016, we were just like Facebook Messenger bots. You any yeah. business can use Octane AI without code to build a Facebook Messenger bot, and there's like an ultimate. There's a lot of different use cases for that. We weren't focused on a specific vertical. And then in 2000, like a year after doing that, we were like, okay, like we have a lot of different businesses that are using us and they're pulling us in a lot of different directions and they all want to do different things. And this makes right. it very complicated to define what your product roadmap is when you're getting pulled in like all sorts of different directions. So we evaluated, we're like, okay, we need to focus on one core vertical uh, that we know we can provide an ROI positive solution for. And what we came up with was e-commerce. E-commerce right. brands already make a tremendous amount of money by doing customer journey automation on email and bringing them the ability to do that with conversation on things like Facebook Messenger was a no-brainer. So like, okay, we're going to do this. Let's build a Shopify app, um, work really hard on that. It takes a long time to build a complicated Shopify app, and it takes months sometimes to get approved by Shopify because they're very strict, which is a good thing. And so early, uh, like mid-2018, we have made our Shopify app. We are okay. very proud of our Shopify app. We are about to be released into the Shopify app store and be featured by Shopify and everything's going to be amazing. And also we're like running a little low on money, like almost out. Um, and so we really need the Shopify app to work. Right. And right at that moment, Cambridge Analytica happens and Facebook oh, has accused shit. of all of this data breach and the political aspect to it and all these crazy things happen, you know, like Mark Zuckerberg's like doing all these uh, talks and it's just, everything gets crazy. And Facebook shuts down the Facebook messenger platform at the same time that we launch uh, our app on Shopify. Oh, so anyone who signs shit. up cannot actually use, use us. So Ben, oh. you want to go over how how bad this got and what we did after that? <laughs> oh, I tried to block out Matt. No, like Matt and I, I just I remember like in particular, I think Matt and I were like laying on my floor in like like tiny apartment in New York City at the time, and like laying on like that, and we we're just like so like where we're like we're like screwed, aren't we? It's like yeah, maybe probably. And like we even had a call with like one of our investors, Phil Libin, the founder of Evernote. He just raised a stupid amount of money for his new product. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had the conversation with him. He's just like, "Look, guys, you know, uh, if Facebook turns it back on, then like you'll like we'll be able to do this thing. And if they don't turn it back on, then we'll have to we'll just shut the company down and we'll go out for some heavy drinking and we'll figure out a new thing in the morning." And it's just like it was both like reassuring to be like, "I'm not mad." It's like we'll get through it, but also. Oh, we're at that point now. Yeah. So yeah, we made a we came up with a plan, and we had like some money that was potentially going to come in in a couple of months, and we knew that if we could get into Shopify, that we could prove things and like grow the business. And so what we did was we went to our existing investors, you know, from our original rounds, and we're like, look, 
you know, this is the situation. This is like as truthful as it is. This is what we firmly believe. We firmly believe in Shopify. And so like our proposal is this, you know, if the, if it comes back, if the platform comes back, then you're, you agree now to put in an amount of money, but you don't send it until the platform is back and we can launch a Shopify app. But if it doesn't come back, then you don't send the money. So it's like zero risk in that way. Right. And to the credit of all, a lot of our investors, they all like committed, you know, decent amount of money so that we could like build and survive. And we had to make hard decisions too. We had to cut some of the team, which really, really sucked. And we had to, uh, you know, rebuild in some way, but because of that, we're here. And now we're like one of the top apps in the Shopify ecosystem and have built up like an amazing team of like, we're almost, we're like 40 at least at this point now. Wow. Amazing. Congratulations to both of you. I mean, that's really, and what you said, you guys launched in 2018, your, your app officially, like when, when it all went down. Wow. That's amazing. Congratulations on that. Cause I know, uh, yeah, the Shopify uh, app platform can go both ways, right? It could be something you build and you're like, I just need this. And it takes you the other way where everyone else is looking for it. Or you can go in building like everyone needs this and you come to find out nobody really cares about this. So I'm glad you guys were able to figure out. By the way, I just want to say Phil Levin, I, 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 when I was uh, really big on Evernote, I was a, a very, very strong like follower of his and I really love all his work and it's kind of his demeanor. So that's really cool that you guys have him as an investor. That's, that's, that's an awesome little... Uh, gateway to have there. Yeah, Phil, Phil's great. I think that they would, you know, any, any, anyone who's raised money will always say that there's a small number of investors that have invested in their company where if they just called them to like freak out, that person would pick up and that they would talk to them. And so like, right. if, if Ben and I, you know, just hung up right now and called Phil, even though he just raised like $31 million and is, you know, doing his own thing, uh, he would pick up the phone and he would talk to Ben and I and, you know, talk us down, whatever, whatever right. crazy ledge we're on. So that's, that's always what you want to look for an investor. And we're lucky that we have um, a, a bunch of investors like that. I love it. I love it. And uh, in terms of uh, raising money, how long were you guys able to bootstrap the, the platform for? And did, was, did you guys have a team building this or was it strictly your CTO working on something like this? Or how did that kind of the beginning process of that, you know, work? Or did you guys... I don't know, potentially even just sell kind of more of the idea. And like, we have the manpower, we just need the money to kind of shell into this thing. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we raised money right, right in the beginning. Um, I think we'd only been working on it. We hadn't even started building, I don't think. I think when I reached out to a buddy of mine, um, Brayton Williams from Boost VC, and then also Adam Draper, uh, yeah. they're both partners in the fund Boost. Um, yeah, I basically reached out. I was like, you know, Hey guys, like I got this idea. Uh, I think it's going to be really big. Um, here's the reasons why it's going to be really big. Very similar to what I was telling Ben and Leaf. And Brayton's like, oh yeah, it sounds, sounds good. Um, you know, can I check out the product? And I was like, oh no, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing right now. Um, but I have what a this, great like, conversation. I was like, oh, I have this like drawing on like a napkin. I could like take a photo and text it to you. Um, and so I, I did that. And like previously, you know, Boost had been doing smaller investments of like, you know, $15,000, $20,000. And so I wasn't, I was thinking maybe that's like what would happen. And he hit me back and he was like, okay, like Adam and I are really interested. Um, you know, would you be interested in like taking 250K right now? 
uh, and I was like, holy shit, I had no <laughs> idea that like they were doing this. And it was just something that they just started doing. Now, Boost invests, you know, half a million dollars in sci-fi companies at the early stage. I think they do 20 investments a year at half a million. So they've grown quite a lot. But I was, uh, at the time, we were one of like the first companies to get that. And so they were our first investor in, um, and that allowed us to get off the ground with just Ben Leaf and I. And then we were able to go raise money from General Catalyst and, and Phil Libin and a bunch of other really incredible investors um, since then. Awesome. Are you guys all, is your entire company based in uh, US or are you guys all over the world? So we're completely remote and we've been yeah. remote uh, like since we started the company. It was started as a remote company, which in the beginning, um, you know, Ben, I'm sure you remember this is we talk to investors and they'd be like, I don't know, like you're, you're remote. Like it's pretty weird. Like right, right, right. not in San Francisco. Whereas uh, like with all the crazy stuff that has happened this year, um, being a company that was started in 2016 as remote first is a, uh, turns out to be a really big advantage. And I don't think anybody can bat an eye at saying that you are a remote company anymore. Right. Right. And that's, that's yeah. the beautiful thing about it. That's the beautiful we, thing. We, we have people, we've been very international, I think, in our inception. And now we have people in over 12 countries. Um, I actually, a, lo a little bit of that is because um, our first major executive hire uh, almost four years ago was Megan Berry, our VP of product, who was the VP at Rebel Mouse and was the first like employees at Clout. And just like, we've known her for a long time and we somehow uh -huh. convinced her to like join us. But she had like had built lots of remote engineering and product teams and brought an international perspective. And now we have people everywhere from uh, South Korea, a lot in Canada, several of whom have worked for Shopify, uh, everywhere, Ireland, Spain, Slovenia, it's all Brazil, all across. I love it. Uh, it's, I, it's been amazing. And because we were all remote, we didn't lose a beat. And in fact, like, it really helps with recruiting because they're looking for, people are looking for companies that are, uh, that have that remote experience. And we're hiring for a lot of roles right now, so it's pretty great. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, when I when I built my uh, agency, I, I mean, it was never even a question in my mind to go get an office space. It was like, why? <laughs> There's everything I need is right in front of me, and if people are willing to do this, they're gonna see the benefits. And if they don't, then it's not the place for them. Like, I'm not gonna, you know, uh, bend myself or bend what I want to do just because somebody wants to be in an office. Well, I don't think it's necessary. I think it's also on our end, it, it helps lower the the um the cost for our clients right because we don't have this huge overhead of the keg in the in the conference room type of deal you know what i mean that allows us to really just say hey this is what it is and these are the people working on it and be very transparent about it and just run a you know a good business so that that's really awesome that you guys were ahead of the curve because i think on my end i think it was like 2000 15 ish 16 ish when i you know started it and that's when i was like yeah re remote is going to be the way to go not knowing that it was going to take a pandemic for everyone to realize but you know what i mean it's 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 pretty crazy so uh but um tell me uh tell me a little bit about your guys's funds so how long how much have you guys raised up to up to date i know you guys recently raised a, a another round for a lot of the stuff that's coming out with the shoppable quiz which i obviously want to get into but what what are you guys looking at at the moment how long how much have you guys raised and are you guys looking to raise more money going forward? Yeah. So uh, we've raised $9 million okay. uh, total right now. 
and we're not looking for investment. We are just heads down growing at the moment. And I think at the beginning of you know 2020, when COVID first came out, uh, it you know it hit a lot of e-commerce merchants pretty hard. Some of them they they couldn't get products from their factories. They were not sure what's going on. And so I think March was a pretty tumultuous year for every or month for everybody. Um, but since then. I feel everything's been taking off. Uh, we kind of readjusted. We've come out with our shop quiz product. We came out with a plan where we offer ROI positive plans to our merchants. So they don't even start paying until they're profitable with our software uh, because we didn't want them worrying about sinking costs into something that wasn't making money, especially in a year like this. And we knew yeah. that if they, if we could remove the barrier to entry to using our software, we knew that if they did all the right things, it would help them be sustainable. It would help them pay their themselves and their fan, you know, support their families and their employees. Yeah. And so we came up with this ROI positive plan, and that's been going really, really well. Uh, you know, now we're helping thousands of businesses. They're making millions and millions of dollars every month through our software, and we're not just doing Facebook Messenger and SMS anymore. Uh, you know, with this investment of four and a half million. We are basically this technology stack that you get to use with your Shopify brand to be the core of your personalization for your brand. And the the key part of that is this shop quiz, which you know it, it allows you to onboard customers who come to your store in a very, very sexy, brand friendly, like it looks very well designed way, ask a series of questions. Uh, and then present product recommendations and then save all that information that you've collected from the customer in this conversation to a centralized buyer profile on Octane AI and then automatically sync it across all your marketing channels. So if you learn something about someone, instead of just forgetting about that or never using it again, now you can retarget people on Facebook or Instagram based on that data. You can segment people differently on Klaviyo, for example. You can send different text messages, different Facebook messages, uh, you can identify new buyer personas, and the future of Octane AI is uh, basically anything that we can do to help stores in a very straightforward way improve that personalization for each of their customers by building relationships. Uh, that's that's what we're going to be building, and I think we're you know less than one percent of the way towards doing that. I love it. I love it. That that's really awesome. Yeah, I was uh, I checked out your guys's uh, demo and everything that you guys had uh, up on. I think it was LinkedIn, and I obviously gone to the website when it came out, and uh, was really really impressed by what you guys had done. And so, uh, hats off to you guys because I think that's been. Um, uh, I, I, sp uh, speaking honestly, I had this. I kind of had that same uh, thought about that sort of quiz thing for more of like a subscription-based uh, company. Because right now, if you go to some of these um, merchants, uh, whether it's a coffee or anything else, it's like this click-through of like, how much coffee do you want? How you want to ground? How you want this? And I think that's been kind of the missing piece, which in my opinion was, I think, a huge market to cover with the subscription world with like the bold and the recharge and, and uh, right. all those folks. And I'm actually kind of surprised that they didn't sink their teeth a little bit deeper into that area because I think it falls so nicely within their product line. Uh, but yeah, I was I was really impressed by, especially like I'm very brand oriented. So when you guys actually release something very sexy like that, like you said, I think it just, it, it's I, that much more appealing to to people to, to use it. I, 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 there's like a couple of things here. I think, uh, you know, our core has been like conversation and like, that's like where we started and like conversations all about like making things more human. And really what we built with the shop quiz is a conversation, but it happens on the site. 
and instead of looking like a chatbot or something, it looks and feels like part of your website. And yeah. so I think it's very different than say, you know, like we're very close with recharge and you know, stay tuned. Mm-hmm. But they like their their like their payments at their core. You know, they the, we they they know that stuff like the back of their hands in ways that we will never know. And right. so like it's like to me it's like there's all these synergies. And so you know we launched with an integration with the Facebook Ad Pixel so that you could like send these like detailed ads based on the questions that people answered and a Klaviyo integration so that you could send more targeted emails. But that's like the very beginning of a large list of integrations that are coming down the pipeline for the quiz. And I kind of think of the entire product suite as like hitting all the key steps of the product journey, of the customer journey, because lots of products only hit like one small piece or one thing here. But if you can have a set of products that can talk to customers from the beginning of the product journey, like the quiz does, learn about them, and then customize their experience at the later stages of the journey, like in the follow-ups, the post-purchase, the abandoned carts, whatever it is, you'll have not just a like more personalized message or more personalized product, you know, you can send a very targeted message based on what buyer profile they are. They're 18 and oily. They should get a different set of messages than if they're in their thirties and have dry skin, but you'll also, you know, give a better experience again, customer in general. And I think a lot of times there's too many products or too many things where they're trying to, you know, like I'm going to help you spam as much as possible. The short term, you might make more money. In the long term, you'll lose money because they'll get tired of it. They'll leave. They'll churn. Versus like if you make it like what it is in the store where you're like talking with somebody and like having a conversation, you're going to, they're going to build a relationship with you. They're going to want to buy more and stay more. And that's kind of like what we're trying to do with our products with the quiz is a big centerpiece of that. Yeah, and I, I look at I look at that as almost uh, when I go, for example, the difference of going to, um, you know, let's say a Safeway and like a Whole Foods, right? At Whole Foods, you ask a person, "Hey, can you find me, you know, this multivitamin?" And they won't just point you in the direction, say it's over there. They're actually going to walk you to that aisle, show you, "Hey, I think these are some of the things that I would recommend," or I've seen a lot of people buy, or whatever it is. Is that extra little like? get under my arm and I'll take you there rather than point you over there. And then you got to still look around and see, oh, where, where did they say it was? I think that's honestly the, the experience that you guys are talking about. That's the sense that I get is because I think as more, uh, the more, the earlier you get that investment from the customer, like you said, there's a journey where you get to know them, then they almost feel like, not that they have to come back and buy from that merchant, but they feel like, well, why would I go and restart something when this person already has my info and they could probably get me something a little bit more tailored towards me or what I, or I, if I need to, like you said, go change, uh, you know, something about my profile, whether it's like extra dry skin or just slightly dry skin, for example. Uh, I think that that's, I think it's a much easier entry way to come, come back over and over again or do like a subscription thing or whatever it is yep. than to go to another place and try to do it again. And hopefully they have a better product or, and you don't know till you get it. And then you go back and you're like, no, I didn't like it. So it's just this back and forth. And I think that whole structure of like, you know, getting to know them in the beginning, which in some cases people now will say, well, no, you got to be quick and you got to sell. And it's like, no, people are okay with scrolling websites now. <laughs> like they're okay going yeah. through the, the process and getting to know, even if it's just the homepage and seeing the different layers of the company or how much information is being provided. So now I think that was a, that was a really, really awesome, uh, awesome step. I, I do want to ask, what is, have you guys seen anything since you guys have launched it? Have you guys seen anything surprising that's hit you with the, we were like, whoa, we didn't even expect this to happen. Like, or, or whether it's good or bad, I guess it, it would be my question. 
Yeah, for sure. I think there's like multiple things that have uh, come out now that we have a bunch. We have a lot of Shopify Plus brands using the yeah. Shop Quiz now, and uh, we've definitely discovered some things that we I don't think anybody expected, but they're super right. interesting, and I think we're excited for more stores to to kind of stumble upon this. Um, and then one thing for you that you were saying is like. You know, you don't have to be like quick and hit people over the head when they get to your store because the matter of the fact, if you run a store, you know this, it's like 98% of people who hit your store, they're not buying anything, right? right. And who, exactly. who knows why they're not doing that? Are they evaluating other brands? Like, what is it? So what do you do with those 98%? And I think our opinion is that you should treat them like human beings, not like numbers, and you should build a relationship and you should understand the fact that they're just not going to buy anything today, uh, yeah. or at least most of them aren't. And the best thing you can do is build that relationship, get to, get to know them. I think like one of the huge inspirations for, for what we're doing. So I grew up in Southern California. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the really unique things about Southern California is that we have this mall. It's called South Coast Plaza. You probably have never heard of it. Uh, I, but, I actually used to live down in New, uh, Newport Beach and oh. Irvine. So I'm, I'm very familiar with that, with that whole, I was in LA, Koreatown for a long time too. Perfect. Okay. So yeah. then the crazy thing about South Coast Plaza is most people who haven't lived over here wouldn't know about it. But right. if you are a prince from somewhere or from a very wealthy family um, in China or somewhere else, you definitely know what South Coast Plaza is uh, because South Coast Plaza with 275 uh, brands in one location is actually the most consolidated a shopping center of luxury brands in the entire United States. And with $1.5 billion in annual sales, it's the highest grossing shopping center in the entire United States. Like Rolex has their flagship store in South Coast Plaza. So it's just filled with luxury brands. And what's interesting about luxury brands uh, is they have this, the people who work there are called luxury sales associates. And you can go look you know, if you go look up like job postings for luxury sales associates, you can read through the, the responsibilities yeah. of them. And the responsibilities uh, are, you know, uh, it's not like Whole Foods or, or Safeway. It's like this is a whole nother tier, right? Your responsibilities are you basically are becoming the best friend of everybody who walks in. It's not just bringing them to the right product or the right aisle. You are getting to know them on a personal level. Uh, you are learning their preferences Oftentimes, these relationships can span for decades, and this right. person will come back on an annual basis, and you will walk them through the new Rolexes, the new Hermes purses, like whatever it is. You will probably be texting with them, maybe your friends on WeChat, maybe your friends on Instagram. You are asking them about their kids. They're maybe asking you about yours, and like that, they manage their own client roster. This is the most personalized shopping experience in the entire world is with these luxury sales associates. And they're able to do this because the margin on their product and the amount of money that's being spent, people can go to South Coast Plaza, that, that family could spend $100,000 or more in like a 24-hour period. Like that's why you I need see. to provide this. And so if you're in, like, then the question is, okay, you're an e-commerce brand. Like, okay, do you wish that you could offer this level of experience to your customers? Like do a portion of your customers, do you think they would get value out of having that level of like, it's right. not directing you to an aisle. This is a long-term relationship for decades. Like, yes, absolutely. You want that. But can you afford to hire people to do that? No, you probably couldn't even do that in a retail location. So how do you do that? And I, I, the answer is technology. 
And technology is what's going to enable us to democratize the luxury sales associate and make that available to everybody online. And that's like a core of what we're trying to provide with Octane AI is how can everybody who walks through your virtual doors have this personalized relationship? How can you automatically get to know them, never forget that information, and then be able to use that across anywhere you communicate with that customer? And I think, like I said earlier, there's just an infinite amount of things that can be done in this direction. And right now, the level of personalization that stores provide today is you looked at this product, so I'm going to advertise that product to you on Facebook. You added this product to your cart, and I'm going to email you about that product. That has nothing to do with your the customer's preferences, their needs, their concerns, right. their location, their history, um, any, their personality. That's what we're working to unlock with technology. And I think back to your original question, some of the really interesting things we've discovered from that. So one, uh, Beauty Bio, uh, Beauty has skincare products. They use the shop quiz. They're a really great brand growing really quickly. When you take the shop quiz on their on their site, it's an onboarding experience. They're asking you, what type of skin do you have? What's your skincare routine? Are you looking for something for an AM routine, a PM routine, You know, something that uh, you can do both with? And then it takes the combination of these answers and it builds you a personalized um, routine. And everybody right. gets a different routine. It's not like one question determines one thing. It's the unique combination of these questions. And what they use the shop quiz for is they can log in Octane AI. They can look at the dashboard. They can track all the revenue, all the data amongst everything. And they actually use Octane AI to split these people into different buyer personas. And they were able to see that one of these buyer personas has a multiples higher average order value. And that's something that they wouldn't have known beforehand. And because they can track like custom uh, pixel events for Facebook on these, they actually not just only can realize, oh, this specific buyer persona actually like, you know, people spend a lot more money per, per order. They could now create a lookalike audience and go tell Facebook to go find them more people like that on Instagram and Facebook. That's like immediately amazing. I think that applies to every brand. Another one is doe lashes. They sell eyelashes. You want to wear, you know, fake eyelashes yeah. to look more glamorous. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that That's what they do. Uh, and they built a quiz that helps you figure out, you know, they ask you a lot of questions. It even ranges from like, what TV show did you watch as a kid? And they use that to identify like how old you probably are, which is like a really nifty trick. Um, that is a nifty trick. The, I really like that. I really like yeah, that. It's like, is it SpongeBob? Is it <laughs> yeah, like this? Yeah. Is that? Um, and, it, and they use when the quiz, it's like their gifts. So like, it looks really like, looks really good. It's that, nothing like a chat, but that's almost um, like asking, are you a Seinfeld or friends or what, right. what, uh, what a tier do you fall and, into? And it's something that could yeah. happen with a friend, right? Like right. it's something that you could just casual conversation. This is not like a transaction. This is actually relationship building experiences, which I think we just need more of, right. uh, honestly. And that's, that's what we're trying to help with. Um, and in their quiz, one of the questions that they decided to put in was, you know, how often do you wear lashes? Uh, it was like, oh, every day, uh, like I'm crazy about them or once a week or when I go out or I've never worn lashes. And they, right. it, this question had nothing to do with the results. It had nothing to do with anything. They just like threw it in there as like a conversational item. And they were expecting that people would just say, oh, like all the time. And what was crazy is that after, I think like 10,000 people had taken the quiz in a couple of days or something, and we looked at the data, and it turned out that the most popular answer was, I have never worn lashes before. And so, do lashes customers. is like, 
Right. They're like, wow. Like, they had no idea. All of their marketing, all of their advertising, all of their email follow-ups, everything was geared towards assuming that you wear lashes all the time. Because why the heck are you buying lashes? If they were like, Matt, is this, this a bug in your? Is this a bug in your system? It's not recording the right data or something like that. It like it like was a yeah. huge revelation for them. And so yeah. because they capture email through the Octane AI Shop Quiz, and all of the answers and data collected in the quiz are also synced to their Clavio account. What they did is they're like, holy, holy crap, we need to like start catering to these people. Uh, and so they started building out a Clavio welcome series based on education that they funnel people who say they've never worn lashes into. And then on the advertising side, now they can start to make creatives that are targeting people, assuming that they've never done this before. So those are the types of things that we're starting to see. Um, and I feel like it's it's just the it's just the beginning uh, of, of what's going to be possible. And it's it's really cool to see it happen. I love it, man. I love that kind of stuff. I love that kind of stuff. I'll just and, leave. It's just like, yeah. Sorry, there's just no, so no, many. No, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah, there's so many creative. Like we've been starting to see more and more creative use cases, right? Because like when you start, you're like, you know, like there's some clear quiz use cases. You're like, I'm gonna like go and recommend like a product based on X and Y, and like how these beauty quiz and others, but then we start people build dynamic bundles with it. Like you're talking about subscription before, or then like some other ones, like someone, one of our customers turned into like a dynamic opt-in where like, it could ask like if you wanted messenger email or SMS to get a discount. And there's, I feel like there's like a, a recipe, like a recipe, recipe finder, right. recipe finder. Or, or don't know. if you only Thanks. have, if you only have one product, something else that like most people don't think of, let's say you have one product, it only works for like a segment of people. You have a lot of people who purchase it and then they return it because it doesn't work for them. It's actually really beneficial for your business if the quiz can determine if you're qualified for the product or not. So you can limit uh, the number of returns you get because that can cause you huge problems. So we also have brands that, that do that, or you can create a quiz where uh, maybe you only have a couple products and it's basically dynamically changing the, the pitch of why this product is good for you. Oh, it's a teeth whitener. And, uh, you should have this because it, you told us that you drink coffee or, Oh, you should, you should have this because you said you drink a lot of red wine and it can start to treat those people differently. I love it. I love it. No, that that's really, really awesome. Honestly, just talking to you guys about this and just and just listening to everything you're saying, it's really, really intriguing uh, in terms of how you guys think about it. Because I have this uh, long story short. Basically, we're a service agency right now where we're catering to a lot of merchants and doing all sorts of stuff. And I've set a, a goal for for our team and just been kind of like putting this out there is like we're we're on the verge of shifting from being a, a service first business to moving over to a product based business with service as like a lever for us to continue to service because we still we like doing that because to me I have a plethora of ideas around e-commerce and different things that I want to get out of my brain and put it on on paper type of thing and I'm always thinking about different ways because we see so many use cases of people even just coming to us like I need my website redesigned and I'm like whoa whoa let's take a step back why do you need your website redesigned because right. people are not buying there's probably something so much deeper that you're not doing to to have people purchase from you that you're just looking at it from like oh it doesn't look good because my header doesn't look like you know sephora or whatever one of these things and it was like no 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 hold on 
you can i've seen that some of the shittiest websites make the most amount of money when they just right. know how to tailor to those to those uh customers and the fact that you guys made something so dynamic where it allows you know it's not like oh you bought this go buy this again it's like no you bought this here's a three products that we think you're probably going to like based on just even the data that we have and if we don't like if you don't like it return it and we'll take care of it full refund or whatever it is and that's where you kind of start to play that game like those like that brand you were talking about with the lashes, forget the name, dough but lashes. dough lashes, um, same thing. It's like, you can go through and be like, oh, wow, is this like for real? Like people are not using, they're coming to our website. We got 10,000 inquiries and, and it's like 8,000 of them have never used, uh, had eyelashes. Like that's crazy to me. So yeah, that, that's awesome. And I'm, I'm really, really pumped for you guys. And I love what you guys are doing. I think it's like, and, and thank you. And I think like, we, we're also just so open to feedback, right? Like, I think we see ourselves as this, like, centralized R&D team uh, building out the future personalization for everybody, right? Like, we are not... What's different about technology-based companies from Silicon Valley, which is, like, where we where we come from, is that everybody builds their own technology. Like, that's, that's how it works. Whereas in the world of e-commerce, it's a very agency and apps-based ecosystem, which is really yeah. healthy and, and really good because everybody gets to focus on the things that they're best at. And so I think we see ourselves as, you know, most e-commerce brands don't have their own in-house developers, especially ones building something anywhere near our capacity. We're here spending millions and millions of dollars building something, and we're building it on behalf of everybody in the ecosystem. So all feedback, like our roadmap is open. We're looking to improve this um, based on what everybody else uh, kind of wants. Absolutely, absolutely. And and uh, I, I got to ask, do you guys, uh, do either of you guys run any of your own e-commerce stores? We we I've run a couple, uh, okay. and I haven't shared them uh, publicly though. Um, okay. But yeah, I I, I run a couple. Uh, nothing like massive or anything like that. Um, right. But just enough so that you know I I can I can sell some stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. That's how about you, Ben? I. I need to crack the code deeper on it uh so that there's going to be a point where i'm just going to quietly do a thing and then i'm going to go to matt and be like hey matt my uh you're the the team reached out to the store that i started by the way i started a story a year ago <laughs> uh, so uh it's on my mind but you know what it's so much harder to start and build up a store than uh, like then it's just so hard. It's a startup. It's, you have to put like all your like heart and soul to really go and build it up. You know, yeah. you can't like at a pretty early point, it's not, a, you can't make it a side project and like expect it to continue to grow. And it has all these additional logistical layers and uh, other marketing layers that maybe other types of companies don't have. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, th I think one, one thing I just wanted to add in yeah. um, was I think like what's interesting to think, there's a couple of things that are like really interesting to think about. One is um, if you were going to sell a product to like one person and that was it, I was like, you had one customer, you'd be like, are you going to talk to that customer? Yeah, yeah. Like, totally. You're going to talk to that customer. How are you going to not talk to that customer? Let's say you have five customers. Are you going to talk to all five customers? Yeah, like yeah. totally. Um, but then once you start getting to like, okay, you have like a hundred, five thousand, a hundred thousand, like, you don't talk to them anymore. And, but if you think about it, you're like, if I could talk to all hundred thousand people and that like was something that somehow was humanly possible, 
would I do that? And you would absolutely say yes. But the reality is that you, you don't because you haven't quite figured out how to do it. And early on, it's like so helpful because communication is what provides feedback loops. And how can you get any better at what you do without a feedback loop? And so if your business grows to the point where you have so many customers that you can no longer talk to anybody anymore, now you've lost out on this like immensely powerful feedback loop that got you to where you are today. And so I think that that's like one thing we're trying to figure out how to solve is like, how do we make sure that there are feedback loops in all the right places? And conversation is like the ultimate way to have a feedback loop. And the shop quiz can be used for onboarding, post-purchase survey, you know, holiday shopping, like what should we come out with our new products? Like you could basically automate any sort of conversation you wanted to and like when i was going through y combinator um years and years ago the thing that you know this is the same thing they tell the coinbase into you know dropbox into twitch and everybody else is the number one thing that you need to be spending time on is building or talking to customers right that's right that's it those are the two things you do you build you talk to customers so if you're listening to this right now and you have a business and you know that you have a ton of customers that you're not talking to Think of like how scary it is that you don't know what they're thinking or why they're doing the things they are. And then also how exciting it is that that that's a huge opportunity for you to unlock. And there's just like so many crazy things that talking to them at scale could do that you might not even be thinking about. There was another brand. I thought this was so wild. We have a brand that we work with that sells incense for people who smoke weed. And okay. it's like you smoke weed, fills the room with weed, smells like weed. Burn the incense, and now it's it gone. you know smells like something else. And all of their marketing is like Snoop Dogg is like all over their website. Like that's all the marketing. It's like you're a big weed smoker. Like you should use it. Yeah, yeah. They put a quiz on, and like part of the question was like asking like, oh, like why do you use incense, and you know why do you do this, and like what's it for? Like who are you? And what they discovered is over fifty percent of their customers are actually people in elderly homes and who don't smoke weed. Wow. Wow. And I was like, that's so wild. You're making half your money from this group. You're not marketing to them. You had no idea. If I was like, who make who do you make money from? They'd be like, oh, like people who smoke weed in Atlanta. And like they just had no idea. And I think that's such like it's just because they weren't talking to them. Like that's, that's- like what what could you be finding out about your business that could like you d- if you were like, yeah. hey, do you think only like elderly women in uh, like yeah. like old people like homes are like that's who your top customer is they'd be like are you stupid that like makes yeah. no sense but it, yeah. it it was so like what is that thing for your business like let's go find that out right 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 that's and it's never too late to start that conversation with the even the thousand or 500 customers that you have that you've maybe never talked to it's never too late because it's going to be maybe a point of surprise to them be like oh wow that's pretty cool like I mean, one thing that we started oh, doing this, as a this, serv- this, yeah, this yeah. brand's making 50k a month there you go. See, look at that. Like, it, it, and it, it probably doesn't take a huge amount of operations to run that sort of business because a lot of the stuff is already prepacked. It's just right. matter of shipping it out and making sure the logistics are there. But you know, the, the incense is absolutely everywhere. They can go to the store tomorrow and buy incense, but they decide to go there because right. of the marketing for the wheat thing. But then you come to find out it's not even that that's bringing half of your customers over to the store, which is kind of crazy. So crazy. no, that's that's amazing. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm actually really intrigued they were talking about weed like the fact that you were so big in the hip-hop community with like you know getting a lot of this up and up and running um i have a really really soft spot for like the hip-hop community like i've been from the time i came to the u.s i've been in the hip-hop like that's all i listen to and that's all i've ever been you know wanting to to kind of like get into at some point i actually used to manage a a, uh uh 
uh, producer. We and we got some stuff out there and all this, and it just nice. for some reason didn't work out. But I love the music industry, man. I'm I'm always on YouTube. I'm always watching behind the scenes shit. Like it's it's awesome. So that's really no, cool that you're music. We, we, we would need another. We need another six hours for all the stories we've been through. Right, right. No, we definitely do. We de definitely do. Um, no, but music, music industry is awesome though, because I think like I, you know, I was growing up, super, like didn't have access to technology until like high school, and then was like, holy crap, like the internet is amazing. Like up until then, I was like, oh, like I'll have a physical business and I'll have to pick out a street corner. Yeah. Like it's like good foot traffic, and then the internet has unlimited foot traffic, and you're only as good as whatever you try to do. So like that was it for me, and the appeal of Silicon Valley and making apps and like all that, like yeah. that's what got me. Um, but for music, it's awesome because. Uh, you can listen to, you can live anywhere in the world. You can listen to any type of music you want. And now technology has gotten so good that you could be making beats or music yeah. on your phone. You can make that go viral on TikTok. You can go start getting your plays up on Spotify. Uh, and like, that's the crazy thing that's happening now is that there's like, you know, the, the garage band version of people is just popping up all the time and right. they're making careers and they don't even have to get signed at this point. I think it's like, it's 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 almost the same way I felt excited about technology. Even more people have the opportunity to get into music, and it's just such a creative like route. I think it's so awesome. I I, I still uh, I'm still very uh, sometimes I look at certain things and I look at people's uh, merch shops or whatever it is, and I always think to myself, I'm like they have they missed out on so much opportunity with everything that they're doing because they have so many different revenues of uh, of income and all these other things. And I feel like if some of those folks just double down on their e-commerce stuff and really put the strong team, rather than having like a, 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 a traveling team, especially now that they can't travel, yep. you know, let those people do what they do, but build a whole nother team and spend that money and say, hey, listen, guys, my goal is to make X amount of dollars or sell this type of stuff or whatever it is. Yep. I feel like that some of these music artists wouldn't even be worried about their Spotify stream. They're just like, dude, let's just go sell merch. Like, let's just go yeah. focus on... There's a bunch of artists that we've worked with on like different kinds of things. And it's, um, there's a couple that like, you know, have really strong teams for e-commerce residences and others where they're like doing nothing. And you're like, we've seen some of them, some of this, like some store, like some bands just like, like have a ton of, not, not just like merch, but they're also like creating their own like brands or creating drops. They're uh -huh. doing some super interesting, complex things. We have like, I like this is not a musician, but this is like a public a figure like uh, Laura Cleary, who like just came out with a book. She used our messenger tech to like get tens of thousands of people to buy our book through Facebook and messenger. And so if you have that audience, like why wouldn't you leverage the technology that's going to help you sell a lot more and reach more of your audience, not just on Facebook, but like learn more about them, too, because you have this yep. audience and you don't know enough about them. I, what, think I, you're I, I think you're totally right, though, that like most people are like whether it's a musician or they're just like a celebrity like on instagram or tiktok or youtube or whatever a lot of times it what they come out with is like really generic and they're like oh it's a t-shirt and it's got my name on it or like it's yeah. got a slogan on it or like whatever um j cole sell, sells a t-shirt for 50 dollars a pop using a debut theme on shopify like right come but on you know dude. Why, like but you, do know? you know do you know why it's because the people that are managing those stores are not coming from an e-commerce background. Correct. And if they are, it's Correct. like very limited. Cause like that's, it's, it's crazy. Cause you have the reach 
that you don't have to pay for, right? That's what's wild about that. It's like the opposite. Like people are, have the best product. They don't have the reach. These guys have the reach, but they don't have the product. It's right. Right. And maybe it's just because they actually can sell those t-shirts at a certain level. Um, but also I think the, like there's, if you operate within the world of e-commerce, you're like, and you've been here for a bit, especially if you've operated a brand, the idea that you could in, uh, invent a new type of beauty product or a new type of shirt or a new type of like, you know, thing. And then you could go get manufacturing for it. And then you could get shipment and distribution. And like, you could do the automations. Like that's just a playbook that's in your head, but for like an average person or even someone who doesn't do that, someone who's like really skilled at everything else. And they're working for a celebrity. If you were like, Hey, like let's start selling custom designed, like, I don't know, lamps or something. They'd be like, it's actually not that hard to actually go like design that and get it done and start manufacturing them. But for them, that's like, it's like wizardry. It's like magic. It like doesn't, there's, there's nothing in their experience that says anything about how you would even go about doing that. Whereas t-shirts, there's like tons of businesses that they'll just like manage all of that for you. On demand Um, shit. Yeah. Yeah. On demand stuff. So I feel like there's such a big opportunity for whoever is out there to like, I've always thought this would be like a really, and I know there's some people who are trying, but like if you could build a portfolio of online influencers who are in like a specific topics and then you could match them almost like a studio, you could match them with a brand and then do it in like a bootstrap manner and then scale it up. You could eventually get to the point where that brand has been built up on a social media platform to the point where you could probably start getting distribution in target or, you know, wherever, and you could really expand this into like a really scalable business. I think that, like that's exactly I think the the what you're saying as well is like they have the distribution. Why are the products so shitty? Why do the websites not have any of the best practices that we all know that should be there? Somebody should you know help them out. I think that there's a huge opportunity there. Huge opportunity. I had this uh, I had this idea in like 2012 when you know the iOS and iPad apps got so big. Is to simply create and I still have a, a wireframe of it. No joke. It's literally a uh, uh, one, uh, it's an app that you anybody could recreate it and just like duplicate it. And you can just go in and let's say like a Kid Cudi, for example, and he has a merch store. He's got a Shopify, uh, Spotify uh, playlist. He's got, you know, a ticket master for this and all this other stuff. Bring that all in, including his social media outlets and bringing it all into one screen, basically, for, for lack of better words, and then have somebody literally just go, oh, I want to listen to this song. Oh, shit, he's got a shirt. Like, bring it all together just to show what this person has out on the market and whatever you want to tailor to. If you just want the music, cool. You still get the music. If you want some of the merch and the music, you get that too. And it could be like a $5 a month subscription with their reach. Let's say you have a a million people out of like some of these people, I think the the Dwayne Rock Johnson just crossed like 200 million people on Instagram today or some crazy shit. I was like, dude, get like 1% of those people. You'll be making like millions of dollars and not doing anything really i think this is this is actually like a really big problem which we saw with tiktok this year which is that uh most celebrities no matter what type of celebrity you are even if you're like the rock right like no matter who you are you are operating on rented space and like some people that that can work like probably he you know the rock's not gonna you know he's not gonna lose all these people overnight or something um, but with TikTok, you know, people have dedicated a couple years, they built up these followings, they have millions of people. And then it was like, oh shoot, looks like TikToks might get shut down. And those people don't exist if TikTok gets shut down. That's where their distribution is. And it's not so different from 
Instagram or YouTube right. or anything else. If YouTube suddenly disappears or they change the algorithm, Facebook right. changes the algorithm, which they've done before, you're operating in a rented space. You don't actually own the land. And it's surprising at the number of influencers all the way up to like A-list celebrities who have no owned uh, distribution. Like right. that's, a, and, that, and what's crazy about that is like in the world of e-commerce, you're like, should you spend a crap ton of money on ads that are profitable uh, and never collect contact information? No, that's like a really, really bad plan. That's like right. a recipe for disaster because the moment that your ad creative and your targeting or whatever doesn't work anymore, like you're left with nothing. And that's why so many things in e-commerce, the best practices are around building relationships with customers building first party data, getting to know them, like having those data points to yourself. So you don't have to rely on like third party cookies, which are going to go away or, right. or advertise, uh, like audience targeting. Um, but outside of e-commerce, especially with like influencers and celebrities, there is no notion of that. And nope. on a long enough timeline, that is really bad for a lot of people. So really I, bad. I, yeah, I think that's that's something that um, the smart ones like Laura Cleary, which Ben was talking about. Yeah, you know they're starting to use tools to to help them with that. You know, you know who did. Uh, you know who I will say, and I will give a lot of credit to that actually cracked that code of building that relationship. And I'm sure you know Matt uh, Ryan Leslie. Yep. Did, he does the super phone thing where he like yep. people text him and when his album gets released, he does exclusive stuff. He has like a whole database. Anytime he releases, he's like, dude, overnight, I'll make 150 grand because I own the platform and I could reach out to my people directly. So I will give him credit because he's like one of the only oh. ones that's that's doing that. Oh, yeah. Ryan. Yeah. we're Ben and I both are good friends with Ryan. Uh, he, we've known him for a long time. Ryan is super, super smart and the platform that he's made is really good. Yeah. Um, I think it's like, like anything though, uh, you can still have like the most advanced platform, but that doesn't mean that like, you know, the 18 year old who's blowing up on TikTok right now knows how to utilize that to, you know, they don't know the text everybody all the time or all the fancy things like Ryan went, you know, Ryan graduated like super young at Harvard. Yeah. Right? Like yeah, he's yeah. like, yeah, yeah. he's like legit, super sharp super, guy. At, he's like above, above right. average intelligence. Right, 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 right. right. Um, <laughs> To, to say the least. And so, yeah, I think that what he's doing is awesome. And I think that he'll continue to help people with it. But uh, there's just so many people. There's, I think there's like 60 million creators right now that are trying to figure out how to generate revenue is like a full-time situation. It's like the fastest growing class of people uh, and profession. And so they're, they're just going to need a lot of help. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I think I think it's insane. And uh, it, it's just to me, it's mind boggling sometimes to hear people are doing, you know, a ten, twenty thousand dollars a post and, you know, in influencer dollars and all these different things. And then, you know, there's not like you just said, there's not a way to clearly monetize and bring those people from platform to platform, have a very much of an overlapping audience across all those different stages. So if one goes away, you're still good. Like you don't right. have to worry about that. It's just more, it's come become like, okay, I'm in this box right now. Now I got to jump into this box. Okay. Well, I yeah. got to build this box up and then I got to go jump into the other box. It's like, I mean, but then it all goes away. It's all, it's all ephemeral. I, right. And so exactly. I think like if you were to suddenly like snap your fingers and like, that's the crazy thing, 60 million people, Who's teaching them how to do anything? Nobody. Like, who? Where, you're, are they going to school for that? They're not going to school for that. They're just copying right. what everybody else does. But the whole industry is based on selling other people's things. You are basically this spokesperson for other people, and you will go away. You will get too old. You will get bad. You, you People will move on. Like, this is, like, a really bad situation to be in. I think if you could snap your fingers and, like, wish that they all understood something, 
How do you build an e-commerce brand? That's super important. Yeah. How do you have owned marketing instead of rented space? That's a second one. Uh, and, and, and then how can you like promote yourself and a product for your life as opposed to just other people's products, right? If I'm someone and I get a lot of fans, uh, I could make some money now promoting other people, but long-term, if I can focus that on my own brand, like you could become a billionaire. Exactly. Exactly. There's like two other elements to this too, which is like one, the smartest or like there, there's certain ones who have like maybe they had some business savvy and they build up empires because they know that like them talking on camera all the time isn't super scalable. So like example, uh, Matt and I are friends with Hank Green who founded like vlog, uh, the like vlog brothers and uh, SciShow and a bunch of other popular YouTube channels and DFTBA. And so we started with like this, like, you know, the vlog brothers channel and like him and his brother talking but then they expanded it out to like, you know, not just works for themselves, but works for other people. They found it subable, which got acquired by Patreon. So they have a piece of that. They like launched these other channels and built a platform on top of like what they had done. And that's like the smart thing to do over the long run. And the other thing too, is just like, uh, th- I had a conversation earlier this week with a lot of D2C CEOs and brands and, you know, influencers are still one of the like best ROI Mm-hmm. for reaching new customers. And so there's there's tons of money and opportunity for creators. But, you know, you have to both think about how do I, like everything that Matt said, build build your own base, build your own owned marketing, uh, build like your own brands around it, and think through how you can expand it and like work with people who have track records that can exactly. help you expand it. I, I, guarantee, ones, like, I, guarantee, I guarantee you that if you sell your own product versus somebody else's, the margins are infinitely better. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, look at I think uh, Shop Mister Shop Mister Beast or whatever. Uh, he has like forty five million uh, subscribers on YouTube, and I think he does like I don't know millions of dollars through like on demand. Sh- Although yeah. he's the one that just recently, I think he's the one that recently screwed up like a scavenger hunt, right? And he accidentally people <laughs> solved like he spent like two years on a scavenger hunt for like a huge prize, and people solved it in like two hours. It was supposed oh, to really? take like six months to solve. Oh, but, sure. I like, but I like the attempt because that's yeah, is always, yeah, is awesome. yeah, exactly. No, I, th- I think uh, I think these are all really, uh, really, really interesting kind of per- perspectives, and I think it's it's really awesome. Um, you guys being obviously um, kind of in, on top of that whole Shopify app platform and doing so well, and uh, you know, obviously working with a lot of Shopify Plus brands and all that stuff. Where do you guys see and? Take the pandemic into consideration, obviously, but where do you guys see or where you get, where have you guys been your minds out of like where Shopify as an ecosystem is going and and uh, how that's how do you think that's going to evolve? Because I think you guys are onto something that's very wide and that's going to cast a big net on that uh, ecosystem because of the fact that you guys are doing personalization. I think everything's kind of going back to shaking hands, giving people hugs. And I feel like that's what you guys want to do with what you're doing with the quiz and all this, where before it was just like, let's throw some ads out, let's get people to buy and then fuck them. Don't talk to them again type of thing. And you know what I mean? I don't think that's the way to do business. I think it's like, I'm always a fan, even on my, my side running an agency, I'd rather have fewer customers that are quality than a quantity and just be having a headache every single day. Like, that's just the truth. Like, I'll leave money on the table for that for that yep. to work out for, for me and my team. And so where do you guys see the Shopify ecosystem, you know, kind of going into? Because they're growing like crazy on so many aspects, like the whole unified checkout and native uh, being native to some of these 
these apps that honestly, I was like, dude, Shopify can build this probably tomorrow and just knock everyone out. Obviously, they're not going to do that. But where do you guys see that going? Yeah, so I have, I have a couple of different things. Um, so, okay, so one, what's crazy is that Shopify is crushing it, growing right. insane. The Shopify ecosystem makes more, generates more revenue every year than Shopify. That is like, I don't think most people think about it like that. And yeah. that's growing really fast. Uh, and that's merchants and apps and agencies and designers and shipments and all, there's a huge ecosystem. Yep. And Shopify is going to continue to do better at what they do. And the better they become, the ecosystem will have a multiples effect on yeah. that. Um, so there's going to be multiple billion dollar companies that are going to be created directly from inside the Shopify ecosystem. And I really strongly believe that. And it's already happening with merchants. It's going to happen with technology and agencies right. and, and otherwise. So that's, it's just the craziest ecosystem. And I, I've been a part of other ecosystems before. I know Ben has. And Shopify is a very, very healthy ecosystem. It's the healthiest ecosystem I've ever seen. Uh, everybody's collaborative. Everything's growing so fast. It is just like a really strong group of people who yep. communicate well and really truly want everybody else to succeed. So that's just, we're just so happy to have found it um, and, and just humbled to be here. And it's just like really awesome to consider ourselves part of this community. Um, I think the second thing is, you know, ours, where we see ourselves in, mm -hmm. in this community as it grows out is we are building technology that helps you have a relationship with your customers for the, their entire life. Right, exactly what you're saying. I don't. You don't want to have someone who comes through, you abuse them, and maybe they buy something. Some percentage does, and they leave, and you just like have this constant churn machine. Like you want to have that relationship where everybody likes each other. They want to hear from you. They love coming back. They respect you. They they love your brand. You love them. You respect them. Um, so we're building. I think a lot of people build technology that is just good for merchants. Uh, and abuses customers, and we are building technology that makes customers' lives better and makes the merchants better, and that's like a huge thing. And I think like one way to it's a very hard balance to find. By the way, I just want to do I do want to mention I don't mean to cut you off, but I think that's a very very hard balance to to come off of. So yeah, and and I think that that's why it's a hard problem, right? But hard problems are the only ones worth trying to solve, and somebody needs to be thinking of the customer because this ecosystem is not going to work long-term if nobody's thinking of the customer because they will remember and we need to make sure that we remember them um, so that they remember us positively. So that, that's what we're building. And I think like a way to think about that is if you were thinking about people that you talk to, right? Just like normal, like human to human. Um, let's say you have someone you don't know and let's say you have someone you know really well. How often do you think you'd feel comfortable texting this person that you don't know at all versus how comfortable would you feel texting this person that you know, like for 10 years, right? Like right now, every, almost everybody who comes through the door for a brand is the person over here. They don't know them at all. And what do they do? They hit them over the head. They on everything, they just bash them. They say tons of sign stuff. up just here, do this, just, do this. Right. Yeah, yeah. Just right. Just everything. Um, and they're not converting anybody. Most of them aren't, some of them are really good at this and we're trying to help with that, but most of them aren't converting them and spending the time to turn them into lifelong friends, right? Like Ben, I can text Ben. I could call Ben at five in the morning, 30 times. And like Ben would wake up at some point, 
maybe even on the first call, he'd pick up <laughs> and he would be like, what the fuck are you doing? But he also would be like, he probably wouldn't be mad. His first response would not be anger. He would be like, yo, like, are you good? Like, you need something? Like, how's it going? Maybe he'd be upset if I was I like, love oh, this I analogy, by the way. I love this analogy, by the way. I, I love where you're going with this. But it's like true. Like, I could just yeah. call him, right? Like, I could anytime. I could text him a picture of, like, my foot and be like, does my foot look weird? Like, I don't yeah. know. He's yeah. never going to be mad at me. He could get upset, but we have a lot, lifelong relationship, and that takes time to build. Whereas if I called someone I just met 30 times at 5 a.m., that person is not only going to not pick up the phone and never talk to me again, they're going to tell every single person they know that I am the worst person in the world. Matt called me 30 times. I just met, met him outside one time. He's absolutely insane. And that's just like not okay. And I think a lot of people are still doing this and they need to be doing this. And we're just yep. building technology to help that make, make that possible. I love it. I love it. Ben, do you have anything that you want to add to that amazing analogy? I think it speaks for itself, <laughs> honestly. Uh, no, that... I, but I, I, I hope Matt doesn't have to call me too often at 3.22 a.m. Although or I send you a picture of his foot. Like, uh, uh, I, I will ask many questions at that time. Yeah, I love it. I love it. No, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think the the Shopify eco, uh, uh, ecosystem is is so healthy and um, yeah, like I've been say, part of. Uh, yeah, I, I will say I'll say on it. It's, it it feel it's very different, for, like a different feeling for us now because when we first came in in 2018, you know, we're asking for advice from you know, like we knew almost nobody, and we had a couple people, a couple friends, a couple that we learned, and we like got introduced to this chain of people to like. Clavio and to uh, Justuno and to a couple other companies, and we learned from them. Uh, but now I'm getting introductions like several times a week to new companies or companies that are existing ones that are moving into Shopify and looking for advice from us. And it's a like I'm trying to pay it for it, but it's also just like a crazy feeling. Like wow, so we've come we we've come like full circle, huh? Yeah, no, that's that's awesome, man. And like I said, hats off to you guys. I think I think what you guys are building is is, is really awesome. I think, like you said, is that that perfect balance between the customer and the merchant, and making sure that's a healthy relationship, and that you're offering those customers what they're hopefully looking for, and you can read their mind to a certain extent, but not being you know a pestering asshole to somebody as well at the same time, because it's very easy to cross that line, in my opinion, because you know how many follow-up emails can you send before somebody's like, dude, unsubscribe, like, you know what I mean? So you wanna make sure to find that, find that medium. Um, no, I, I think uh, it's great. I, I think it's just one of those things that, Every day, like I wake up and I'm like, even go a product hunt or whatever, like what the hell did somebody invent today? Like, how are they gonna, you know what I mean? So, um, but no, it, it's it's really, really awesome. Um, what are the what are the upcoming plans outside of obviously the shop quiz is a really, really big thing for you guys at the moment. Um, do you guys have any kind of, I don't know how you guys are with planning, obviously some people are just like, hey, we're just running the road right now and we'll get there when we get there. But do you guys have any kind of other plans or things that you guys are looking to improve, whether it's your existing products or something new that's coming? Yeah, for sure. We, we're, we're planned out. We, it's like we have, a, we have a North Star. We know where right. we're going. We have, we have a vision. We are humanizing the online shopping experience through personalization. And that is very broad, but that is, there's a lot of work to do and somebody has to do it. And so we're, we're focused on that right now. You know, we came out with the shop quiz uh, from Octane AI a couple months ago. We have a 
huge surge of Shopify Plus brands that are using it. And every day we're just constantly making improvements to that. People want to be able to use different fonts, to have different layouts, to be able to have uh, different types of logic and rules and uh, different types of integrations and opt-ins. And we, we definitely have our hands full um, in a really good way with uh, just making the, the shop quiz better. Um, yeah. based on everybody's feedback like you know we have a recharge you know there's some recharge stuff will be will be happening right. at some point and a lot of other fun things like that so that's that's a big part of it um next year we have our eyes set on some pretty big announcements that we're working on um not ready to go explicitly into detail on it yet but i will say that uh there's a lot of data that is being collected through the quiz. You can have multiple quizzes for any type of conversation you want to automate. I think a really good loop is onboarding quiz, uh, personalize the customer journey throughout the shopping experience, purchase, post uh, uh, purchase uh, shop quiz, and then there's like a really great feedback loop that can happen with, with those two quizzes. Uh, and then on our platform, we're also synchronizing that with our messenger product and our SMS product and our on our opt-ins product, and then synchronizing it with uh, Clavio and our other partners for for email. Um, there are a lot of interesting insights that we're finding out that you can learn from this data, and uh, there are a lot of things that you can do to personalize the shopping experience more than just on on marketing channels. Uh, and that's, that's something we're working towards, um, taking even further steps towards, towards supporting that. And I think that right now, like I mentioned earlier, I talked about like the luxury sales associate and what you can do in like at a Rolex brand or mm -hmm. a Hermes. Uh, and we're trying to bring that level of experience in a scaled way with technology to, to Shopify brands. Um, and that first step is like making what's possible in retail with a small amount of people possible in an online setting with millions of people. The future for us is that next step of what are things that are actually impossible in physical retail, but are possible in a digital environment. And that's when things get really crazy. And that's, that's what we're working towards. I love it. I love it. Um, now I do have to ask, I, 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 what, what is your guys's current day-to-day -day, uh, consist of? I know you guys are a team of like 40 or 50 you mentioned. What is, what, what would you guys say is like, and obviously, I'm sure your days days are a little bit different, but I, I'm sure it'd be interesting to people here. You know, a primarily a Shopify app business company, software technology. Like, what is your day to day? And being obviously 100% remote, like most people, but you guys have been doing this for a while. So, what, what, what do you? What does it consist of? Like, what's your what's your uh, Wednesday and Fridays look like, basically? Well, <laughs> ben, you kick it off. I, I mean. That's changed a lot for Matt and I over time is the thing. And it will continue to change over time as founders, yeah. right? When we were in the early days, you know, like year one, we, we came out with our 2020 playbook this year, right? 425 pages, octanei.com slash playbook, everything you ever want to know about personalization, quizzes, messenger, SMS, how to build everything, lots of expert opinions, right? We did our first playbook. It was like 46 pages. Matt and I were the primary writers of that. I was like doing like moving around and we had our lead designer helping do design work. Like 2019, you know, we were still pretty involved in like putting together a bunch of playbook, especially Matt. This year, you know, even less so, like our job was more about coaching. There's definitely and lots of comments and things like that. But there was a whole team of people on the marketing, on the customer success, on the account management side, working on the playbook. And it like... You know, our roles have evolved from like, we're going to go do everything to coaching things. And truthfully, I'm spending more time interviewing people and 
coaching other members of the team and trying to figure out like where the missing pieces are. Uh, and like our like time changes all the time. I think the only consistent is like there's more meetings that happen when there's more people and there's more requests for outside things. But beyond that, it just changes all the time. Uh, but I am enjoying like, you know, switching over to like more coaching overall. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. How about you, Matt? Yeah. Um, everything that Ben said. So like most, you know, now we have different, it's not just me, Ben and Leaf anymore, right? We have different, we have the product team, we have the marketing team, we have the sales team. There's lots of different areas, customer support, um, account management. And so most of the time is just making sure that internally everybody's supported and we're not getting in their way. And if they have any questions, we're helping them and um, just coaching. That's like a huge part of it. And then I think outside of that, uh, anything that could only be done by a founder, right? And like right. sometimes it starts like that. And then once you do it and it works, you realize that you should bring somebody else on um, to continue doing it. So I feel like a lot of the time throughout the past couple of years, I'll be like, oh, like I have this thing. I think we should do it. Like I don't, there's nobody else on the team that could do it right now. And so I'll start doing it and then it'll start working. And then bam, I get fired from it and I don't get to do it anymore. Uh, but then somebody else comes on who's even better and they, they continue it. And that's, that's how we kind of scale. Um, so that, that happens constantly. So it's almost like everything you dive into, you almost understand that you're not going to get to continue doing this forever because eventually we'll bring somebody else in. I specifically, I'm really passionate about product. Uh, and that's, that's what I've always, you know, been really passionate about. I'm always designing stuff. I got five whiteboards around me right now. Um, I can, I can see them all, uh, just sketching stuff out was super involved in, um, you know, deciding to do the shop quiz and how that was going to work and how it needs to work. When we first rolled it out privately, I built, uh, 20 shop quizzes for merchants, um, which I don't do that anymore, but I did it in the beginning because I just wanted to make sure that this was actually the product that we wanted to make. And if I ran into any issues, so I really, there's certain times in the company where I'm just like, that's what I'm doing. I'm just using the product nonstop because this needs to be something that we can really put our stamp on. Um, right now, you know, we have a lot of people who are making shop quizzes and they're just discovering so many new things. And it's, it's, there's an infinite number of things. It's almost like a dynamic landing page with, with rules. Like mm -hmm. there's an infinite number of things that you can do with this. And I think we're still in the stage where, people are coming in with preconceived notions of, Oh, it's going to be an onboarding quiz. And it is, and that's going to yeah. work, but there's, it's a creative tool. It's like Photoshop for conversations for your brand. Like there's, and all the, everything is remembered and you can use it everywhere. Like it's infinite number of things you can do. Um, and I'm spending a lot of time just talking to the people, whether it's at an agency or an e-commerce brand who are actually like, you know, hands-on and building these so that I can kind of geek out, nerd out on this stuff with them and, um, that's what I'm going to be doing for, you know, the next couple of months, especially through the holiday season and doing everything I can to, you know, then share that information publicly. Like we've just did with this 400 plus page, uh, page playbook. I love it. I love it. No, that, that's really awesome. And, and, uh, I, I do have to, uh, I do have to ask, uh, how did you, uh, when did you decide to jump into the TikTok world? Cause, uh, when Ben, uh, Ben told me that you had a lot of the TikTok uh, stuff that you were doing, I went on and just kind of checked out your thing. Like, when did you decide to do that? And what, and did you do that with like the intention of like, Hey, I want to do something with this. Or did you just kind of go like, Hey, listen, I, I'm just want to, you know, kind of fuck around with this and see what happens. Yeah. Um, so 
let's see, when was it? Uh, it was like early last year. Um, you know, I was seeing that I was just seeing some numbers that like TikTok had like insane number of people using it. And all, you know, all day I talked to e-commerce brands and influencer marketing and social networks are yeah. a big, a big part. Advertising is a big part of e-commerce and uh, e-commerce brands constantly are talking about Instagram influencers or advertising on Instagram or building up their Instagram profiles. And the reason is because there's so many people who use Instagram. So it's a really great place to market your product. And I thought it was really weird that nobody was talking about TikTok because TikTok was the number one downloaded app in 2018 on, on the Apple app store, it, massive app. And I was Googling for any marketers talking about TikTok. I went to like event websites and Facebook events to try to figure out if anybody was doing TikTok conferences or TikTok meetups or TikTok speeches. And literally it was zero. There was just nothing. And so I was like, is, how is this possible that TikTok wow. is so big uh, and nobody's professionally talking about it. And I wonder if it's just because of the discrepancy between people who work at e-commerce brands or in a professional capacity, and then the people who are going crazy over TikTok, and maybe just nobody realizes, this is like a weird moment in time, maybe nobody realizes that this is happening. So they're just not trying to do it. And they still think of TikTok as like, oh, it's that thing that kids use. Yeah, dance like, videos or something like that, yeah. Right, it's like silly. And so once in a while, over the, like throughout my career, uh, I will write an article and I usually I, I blog on medium. I'm, uh, I have more subscribers on medium than Obama. So proud about that. Um, <laughs> there you go. Good job. So man. I'm like really, really good on medium. Uh, and once in a while I'll write a blog post about some sort of new technology I've written and they usually go very viral, whether it's like Bitcoin or virtual reality, um, chatbots. Um, you know, I have over, well over millions of views on an article I wrote about chatbots. And I usually do like the complete guide. And so I was like, okay, I need to communicate to everybody that uh, TikTok is something they should pay attention to. And so let me write the complete guide to TikTok. Um, and usually this takes me a couple months and I'm going to explain how it works, the algorithm, how it came to be, how, like, like what the opportunity is. And as I started writing it, I thought, wouldn't it be good if I created a TikTok account uh, so that I could, from a firsthand experience, include that in the article? And what if I could um, really highlight the opportunity of TikTok because I myself went viral on TikTok. Um, and so I created a TikTok account and I wanted to do it really clean. And I didn't get leverage any of my social media to promote it. I didn't tell anybody that I made this. I didn't put my real name on it. I just naturally organically one day was an anonymous account that popped up on TikTok. And over the two months that I wrote this article, I got up to 30,000 followers. I, I got like a million views. Um, and then since then I'm about at 800,000 followers now on TikTok, And I just post wow. these like stick figures or whatever, little drawings. I recently started doing flip books. Um, and you know, now TikTok is something that everybody talks about. Everybody's aware of TikTok. It's obviously had a huge amount of controversy this year, but you, you, you know, I, uh, I think it was last year, um, I went, uh, I was speaking at the Clavio conference uh, and I was on stage and there's, I don't know, a thousand plus people in the audience or something. And I talked about TikTok and I was like, the thing you got to look out for is TikTok. And I even made, if you go back in my TikTok, I made a video where I was on stage and I got the entire Clavio audience to shout out TikTok. Um, and that got like a hundred thousand views on, on TikTok. But I know that afterwards people like, some people were like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But a lot of people were like, TikTok's going nowhere. Like, this right. is stupid. Like, I don't know why you said that. Whereas now, like, there are so many brands that are just crushing it with 
influencer marketing, TikTok ads, their own TikTok accounts. Um, so yeah, everything was super intended. I also run a newsletter called uh, theforyoupage.com and you can go read through my posts and I, uh, I kept track of my entire journey to like 800,000 followers and you can go through all my spreadsheets and my analysis and how I came up with the content I make. Everything was completely data-driven with the goal of how viral could I make it. That's awesome. That's really, really awesome, man. That's, uh, that, that, that was a really interesting story when I saw that. I was like, oh, that's a, that's a clever way of going about it. Yeah, I definitely took a look at your, uh, your um, for, for, for you page. What is it? Page? Yeah, so on, on TikTok, the thing that's unique about TikTok is that when you're dropped in, you're not shown a feed of people you follow. You're shown something called the For You page, which is algorithmically decided videos based on your interests. Right. Uh, and it's mostly like viral stuff and then some new stuff. And so I put a newsletter up on the4upage.com um, to reference the TikTok for you page. I love it. I love it. That's really awesome, man. That's really awesome. Um, I, I think we covered, is there anything else that you guys wanted to cover or talk about or anything like that? I mean, I'm uh, open to, I, I think we, we covered a lot of great ground here and I think it, this is going to be a, I think a huge value to people who are listening in terms of like how you guys got started and all this other stuff. Is there anything else that you guys want to throw out there into the world of, of whoever's listening to the podcast? I mean, if you're uh, interested in, if you're interested in having this feedback loop and personalization, go check out octanei.com slash playbook for the playbook, which walks through how to incorporate that. Uh, and if you want to look into the quiz specifically, go to octanei.com slash slash quiz. And I'll, and I'll make sure to drop that into the show notes as well for you guys. So then people could just go or, there. Or follow me, follow me on TikTok yeah. uh, <laughs> at Bat. I spent an hour trying to find a username that was available and that would be <laughs> Only thing I could find, but now there's a lot of people who know what Mad Cat Bad is. <laughs> I, I, I mean, octaneai.com slash playbook. Go, that'll tell you everything you need to know about our product. But also, you know, like uh, like Matt's been like focusing on TikTok. I've been uh, putting together panels and interviewing people in the audio app Clubhouse. So like, you know, uh, we just had the CEO of LVMH. I had like some early fund VC managers. And so I'm especially interviewing like interesting CEOs and experts in e-commerce. I have one coming Monday with the CEO of Cover Effects, which is an Octane Ad customer and the CEO, the CMO of BNH Photo talk about like holiday shipping. And so I'm trying to like spend a little bit more time talking to experts and like, I also have this platform that I built in Clubhouse to like have those conversations in public. So that's something that everyone can go and join oh, at Ben awesome. and everything. Also, awesome. anybody listening is trying to get in touch with an investor uh, or, or something like that, uh, Ben knows everybody. And so you should reach out to Ben uh, for sure. Just hit him up at Ben Parr on Twitter. RIP my inbox. <laughs> he'll, help, he'll help you out though. Ben, ben, uh, ben responds. So it won't go into a black hole. I love it. I love it. No, that's that's really awesome of you guys. I, I do want to say uh, for, for what it's worth, uh, I l absolutely love your guys' transparency. I love how you guys think about things. Uh, you have that product mind state, which I absolutely love. And that's what I, I like I said, I have a million, a list of million ideas and different things that if somebody, you know, uh, shed me like, you know, a quarter million dollars tomorrow, I'd be like, I can build all of these things. I just get so excited about product. And there's a few things that will be uh, 
uh, putting out there from uh, from our agency, like we're going to start releasing a lot more product based stuff and all this. So I, I absolutely love it. And I feel like we're definitely going to have to do like a part two to this because there's so much stuff that I swear I could have been on here for like four more hours because I, I just love the state of mind that you guys are in with everything. So thank you guys for for, uh, you know, all your time. And uh, I really appreciate you guys making the time to be on here because, um, you know, I, I like I said, this is one of those things that I saw Ben comment. I was like, hey, let's get you on here. Like I've, I've seen you pop up on LinkedIn and, you know, you have a lot of the same people connections with the same people that I do and all this other stuff. And, and these are the kind of conversations that I want to lead going forward is just like organic stuff that comes about. I'm not reaching out to like famous people or any of this other stuff. I just want to make sure that I'm talking to people who actually, you know, are running a business or have ideas to bring value to people and all this other stuff. So this is awesome. I really appreciate it guys. Z, thank you so much for having us. And you know, now that now that we've talked for so long, feel free to call Ben and I thirty times at five a.m. in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I'll send a picture of my foot to somebody. <laughs> Good. That's oh what serious. It's gonna happen, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just gonna Z. put best best friends question mark. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. Right? You need two uh, feet together then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Cheers, guys. And uh, yeah, um, we could stay on uh, afterwards just to wrap up, but I'm going to go ahead and end the recording right now. So cool.